Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Astro Alchemy. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Laura, and we are your hosts for our weekly show where we discuss the current uh, gate that the sun is moving through from the human design perspective, and then also the current gene key that the sun is moving through from gene keys. Um, finally, we touch on the current astrological transits that we're experiencing in real time. Uh, today is Sunday, November 20th. It's 4.16 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1.16 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And just a friendly reminder, if you like our show, if you've been here a bunch, but you haven't subscribed yet and you like following along with the different transits and the different placements that the sun's moving through um, in human design, just please, and, and we're correct for you, please like and subscribe. Leave any comments, any questions, if there's any tidbits you'd like to share with us in the comments. And you can also find our contact information below if you're interested in um, getting a reading or just reaching out to us. So other than that, I think we can just go ahead and hop right into the human design chart at the moment. Sure. Um, let me see, is this it? That's not it. Sorry, wrong screen share, technical difficulties. This is the correct one. No, it's not. Why is it not working for me? I'm just going to close that and try to figure it out. I have two windows open, and one was the right one, one was the wrong one. Here we go. So currently, the sun is in gate 14, line 5, uh, which is still in Scorpio. Um, the earth is its in is in its programming partner, uh, gate eight, which is in the first center, 14 is in the sacral center. Uh, we still have the nodes in two and one, also in the G center here. So we have this really strong energy this past week, which is manifesting generator energy, uh, sacral G and throw all defined with individual circuitry. Uh, currently the moon is in gate 57, but that's short and temporary, but it's currently giving us extra individual definition. So there's a lot going on. Uh, gate 14 is uh, possession in great measure or the potential for possession in great measure. Like I said, it's an individual circuitry. I'm going to try to make this bigger. Will it work? No, it's just one of those days. Um, it's here in the sacral center, part of that individual circuitry, reaching up towards the G center with the channel of the beat. I mentioned that channel, I think, last week or the week before. Um, maybe the week before, I don't even know. And two is where the magnetic monopole lives. It's the driver of the vehicle. 14 is the energy to fuel the vehicle, to get the vehicle from point A to point B. Um, it, the hexagram symbolism of this particular uh, gate is a wagon. So a wagon that has the potential to load a bunch of possessions onto it, hence possession in great measure. And it's a potential for financial prosperity. Uh, on top of this also being an individual gate, it's a pentagate. Uh, all these channels between the throat to the G to the sacral are pentachannels. I can't remember if it's a wall channel as well, so ignore that little comment right there. But um, yeah, it has a lot of layers to it. Uh, to kick us off, I'll read you the uh, little blurb we have. Human Design updated their website, so it looks a bit different compared to usual if you've been with us, um, but possession in great measure, the accumulation and retention of power through skilled interaction, coupling grace with control, the gate of power skills. 
Um, currently, the sun is exalted in line five, so we only see the one line here about the sun. An exaltation, innate dignity, innate dignity that is a key to power. The ever-present risk inherent to possess in possessions of power. Um, Earth is an eight, which is um, the gate of contribution. And this is the channel of, oh, I, I forgot. <laughs> is it the it's not the channel of contribution, channel of something. Um, I guess we won't know, uh, but that's okay. Um, currently, to skip way ahead for y'all, we have Mars square Neptune, and it is a hot moment, and it is significantly interfering with just our able to uh, be transmissions of information and just everything. Everything is just like in upheaval. So I apologize for any um, just confusion that I may cause you during this episode. But 14, 14 is the fuel that drives my neck magnetic, I can't even say words, magnetic monopole, uh, which, you know, is in charge of your life trajectory from point A to point B, birth to death. And so 14 is like a really intense, concentrated power that drives your life. Um, Ra-Ru, who the founder of human design, often says generators are slaves. And I feel like that ideology, that uh, generalization comes from this particular gate. Uh, it's individual, therefore mutative, therefore melancholic. And if you are not doing something that you enjoy with your sacral energy, it's going to result in frustration and melancholy, and you're going to feel like a slave to the forces around you. Uh, this gate is all about using your own creative energy in a way that gives you life. And when you do what you love, it's not work at all. And when you're doing stuff that you don't like, that you don't want to be doing, first off, you're going to feel frustrated or bitter or angry, angry or disappointed, all of the above. Um, but then also you're going to be melancholic that you're not using your energy in a way that actually feels good. Um, so there's that. I took a bunch of notes. Let's see where they are um, about this gate. <laughs> Again, very messy class for you today. It's not even a class. Potential. It's the potential. Just because you have this gate doesn't necessarily mean that you will be financially prosperous and abundant, though you know it's possible. Um, because it's a pentic channel, again, not a word I made up, but because it's a channel within the penta, a gate within the penta, uh, within penta dynamics, if there is an energy that's missing in a group of three to five people, one of these, one, two, three, four, five, six, 12 gates, <laughs> one of these 12 gates is missing, that energy will be the like conundrum of like what people are fixated on within that group, what they think is missing, what they need to fix. And it'll just like suck all that energy uh, of the group and say like, okay, we need to work on this one thing rather than, you know, realizing what the group has, what qualities it has. The focus naturally goes to what's missing. And so within the family units or work units, if 14 is missing, then all of a sudden the emphasis on, is on money and wealth and whether the group is able to make money, if the group has money, if the group has resources. And I feel like this is like a very significant theme in so many families, in so many like work-related organizations, uh, the focus is money. But part of the, you know, nice side of this gate is that it shows us that we are here for financial prosperity and it's a potential for everyone, whether you have this gate or not, we have all of them, you know, either it's consistent within you or it's a receptor and you're constantly seeking it through 
uh, connections or through transits, um, but we all have it. So we all have this innate chemical amino acid component to us that wants us to experience financial prosperity, experience the mutation that leads to financial prosperity. Um, going back to my notes, let's see. Um, yeah, it's the melancholy that you have to work, <laughs> that you have to be a slave to the world. Um, but when you work, it's not so bad. Um, yeah. Sarah, Sarah want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I think that this 14, so correct. I mean, one of the shadows, which we'll get into again, the gene keys, enslavement, but it really does feel as though um, and I, you know, just full disclosure to everyone, my, um, you know, who I work with for my like income is my best friend. And she is, she's got the 21418, um, all of that that's going on right now, but specifically the 214, like she is, she is absolutely like that kind of centerfold piece of the equation that everything is kind of being generated from for the, for the business. And, you know, despite the fact that I'm a projector and of course, like I'm here to guide energy, it's like her, uh, her, her capacity is just so high. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with the 214 um, because you're right. I mean, the two is, um, is two it's, well, besides being individual, right. The two is um, very much like go with the flow, like, we talked about the two, uh, I think maybe two weeks ago, um, the two is very receptive. And so it's like taking everything in and then you have this 14 with like all of this energy to use. It's of course a generator channel because it's just going to respond to what life brings it in a sense. And, um, and so, yeah, I, you know, this, this channel, I feel like I just, I know very well in a sense because of being close to someone who has it and seeing the way it plays out. Um, but as far as anything else, I think it's interesting what you said about how, if this channel isn't present in a family, everybody becomes worried or concerned about resources. And so it's, and it's also a part, like you said, it's a part of the Penta. And so there's, yeah, the capacity part of the Penta too, I think. So um, that piece for, for those of you that, you know, look at Penta charts, the Penta is made up of 31, 8, 33, 7, 1, 13, 15, 2, 46, 5, 14, 29. And those are the only gates and channels that are a part of it. And so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, whether your pent is a family or a business, if you don't have this, it's like you're missing capacity in order, you're missing the capacity you need in a sense. So that's kind of all I want to say about um, about the human design side. And uh, do you want to add anything? Uh, we can, I'll just touch on like the other energies present this week. Like first off, you know, if you are a generator, you should be responding to life. I'm not going to say you're, you should. Your strategy is to respond to life, whether you think you should do it or not. That's another thing. Um, but all of us, because of these defined energies, have had um, access to manifesting generator energy. Like in myself, I've been very productive this past week, which is like, I feel like I'm not productive for months and months and months at a time. And my to-do list just grows, but I'm not going to do anything about it because my energy is not there to get things done. And like, as soon as this transit came in, I've been a busy body 
constantly moving and I'm probably going to be extremely exhausted when this energy is over, but it's been fun to be able to do things and use my body uh, in a creative way and to be productive, which I usually don't necessarily uh, identify with being productive. Uh, So that's one thing in terms of like the other melancholic energies that are present. I realized we've been in a very long, slow theme of melancholy um, because it started even in the in the spleen with 28 and it was either the sun or the earth that was in an individual gate that created this theme of melancholy. When the sun was in 50, the earth was in three melancholic. Uh, We had one and two. We had now we have 14 and eight. Um, there is 43, 23, like there is a lot of melancholy going on, I think for like five, four or five weeks now, it's been a hot minute. And, uh, next week, again, we're going to have more or this upcoming week around day five of this transit. So day six, after day six, it'll change, but we still have continuation of melancholy or individual energy, uh, with 34, 20. And then after that, we're quote unquote in the clear, um, not necessarily like in the clear of our own melancholy, but the pressure will be a lot less significant. So if you've been feeling heavy um, and if you've been wanting to be creative, but not able to express that creativity in a way that releases the pressure that's built inside of you, know that, you know, just be patient. (laughs) It'll change soon. Um, Hopefully, I think it will. But yeah, it's been an intense transit. So continuing with like the, the central channel that we have right now, the melancholy of gate two is knowing that the ultimate and result of life is death. And so there's like this constant vision of the horizon of what's coming. And so you feel like you have to rush through life, get through things as quickly as possible. There's a really strong impatience with gate two. And so with 14 fueling that together, we might be feeling this rush right now to think of everything that you know, we might want to accomplish in our lives. And if we think that there is a time limit on those accomplishments, it might create this uncomfortableness within us to make us think that we have to uh, accomplish it by a certain point in time, which is not necessarily true because there's divine timing for, you know, everything. Um, And in terms of eight, one, the channel of not contribution eight is contribution, one is expression. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, one is the melancholy of not feeling different or not feeling recognized for your uniqueness and eight is the melancholy of not being recognized uh something that ross said about these channels one and eight of them particular is that uh these people are here to be their own unique expression of themselves and in doing so they will automatically attract the right recognition and attention that will allow them to mutate the world around them and like spread their own creative mutation outwards um, but if that person's not actually integrating their own creative energy, they're going to want that attention from their peers or from the collective, whatever it is. And they're not going to get it because they're not actually doing the internal. I mean, it's not work. I'm going to say it's internal work to be creative, but that's not necessarily true. Uh, they're not, you know, realize like they're not doing the prop. They're not using their energy correctly. Let's just put it that way. They're not following strategy and authority. But if you are then you will automatically be recognized for what it is that you're supposed to bring and contribute to the world. Um, and so that's also like a heady theme that we have this week, wanting to be recognized, wanting the right attention, feeling like we're not getting it. Um, and in part, because we're not, you know, going through our own creative mutative process. 
And then 34 and 57. Oh, I forgot. Well, that's a temporary one. We'll skip that one. Um, there is one more thing from the human design side. Well, this is, you know, kind of both Gene Keys and human design. As I was listening to the audio contemplation of uh, Gate 14 or Gene Key 14, Richard Roy talked about human design because his origins are within human design. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, and he said that Ra called people who are like slaves to 14 furniture like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not living out their own creative uniqueness. And so they're just like furniture in the room, uh, which is, you know, Richard was laughing about it, but it's kind of rude and awkward. But apart from that, if you look at the lines with, you know, all of these gates are hexagrams and so they have six parallel lines. If you look at the lines that are at play here, um, one, gate one is six yang lines, gate two is six yin lines. 14 comes right after one within the mandala. And so it has a lot of similarities similarities to gate one. It has uh, five yang lines and only one yin line, but that one yin line is in the fifth line. And the fifth line is universalization of a hexagram. It's kind of like the most important way in which it can fully reach its potential and what it's supposed to do as a hexagram. So if we look at 14, it has like all these intense yang energies surrounding it. And yet like the core of what it does to reach to the other and universalize and penetrate and you know make the difference is the femininity, is the yin. And it's reaching towards all the feminine energy in gate two. So yeah, we think of rushing towards life, accomplishing all the things, being super active and we like put all these masculine qualities onto uh, these concepts that we have about how our energy works and in truth it's very feminine uh very receptive very yin very go with the flow um and you know responding to life and responding to everything around us and not trying to initiate so i think that's rather interesting um but other than that i think i'm good with human design well now i have a few things <laughs> i think um really sage advice about the melancholy of all of the channels that are alive right now. I think that, you know, one thing that I tend to bring to the table when it comes to, you know, the stuff that we talked about that is independent of just the nitty gritty details is just like the experiential process. And I think, you know, you said something along the lines, Laura, of like not wanting to work towards something or you don't want to work towards being yourself in a sense. Um, but I think something important to note here is that the work, the internal work, when we're talking about how to kind of not just utilize the 8-1 and the 2-14, but like how to individuate in a human design sense of deconditioning yourself. The work is not to become yourself. The work is to unbecome everything else. And so if we're thinking about what actually the process looks like, of deconditioning and you know for the people who have 214 and 18 it may be even more important that they are able to express their unique selves in the world but it really is important for everyone to do it the process of deconditioning looks like letting go of all of the things that you are not that you've been homogenized to be and that's what the work is there's no actual like i need to build this or i need to become this or i need to like go out and grab this I mean, there may be some of that if you have a defined ego center, but um, but otherwise it's really about just discerning, taking the kind of mass of undifferentiated psychic material and discerning 
what parts of it are actually you and what parts of it are coming from this kind of larger, very homogenized culture. And yeah, I think it's an important thing to just touch on when, you know, when we talk about deconditioning, when we talk about being the self, when we talk about transits that are affecting specific channels, all of these things, it's like the main purpose of it. Yes. It's to understand human design, but it's also to understand yourself. So like understand when you're getting transits, is this coming from me or is this a transit? Like, is this inherent to who I am? And and in, in one way, it's there's no difference, right? But in, in another way, as we go through the process, which Ra says it's seven years to decondition, it's really informative to see how the different energies are affecting you because then you can start to tease out or discern what is what, what's you, what's not you, um, and what certain things feel like when they come through uh, and not getting attached, right? Or being like identified with certain energies that may be more longstanding in your chart, but not permanent. Um, and, and all of this to say like is in service to letting go of the not self um, that we can call it, the, I, they call it the king and alchemy, the ego, um, personality consciousness who thinks that it's in charge of our lives, but mainly it's the, 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 the not self for human design. So just wanted to add that little bit of kind of experiential and practical knowledge around like what actually deconditioning might look and feel like, which is like, okay, you know, with someone, for me, someone who has an open spleen, it's like, I have, I tend to get attached to things that I shouldn't get attached to. And so I have to periodically let go of everything, you know, all of the dopamine, like stimulating things in my life and, and stuff like that in order to see, okay, is this actually good for me? Or am I just holding on to this? Um, but it, it will look different for every open center you have. And even for some of the defined centers that you have that have just not been operating correctly um, because of, of, of operating from the not self. So, okay. Yeah. That's all I want to say for, for human design. Very valid points though. Um, for our Jinky of the week, we have want to scroll uh jinky 14 like we said uh which has the shadow of compromise the uh gift of competence and the city of bounteousness bounteousness however you pronounce it again programming partners number eight shadow of mediocrity uh gift of style and city of exquisiteness um the two shadow themes for this jinky are impotent and enslaved again that enslaved theme of you know being a cog in a giant wheel um, it's part of the Coda Ring of Fire, which one was the two weeks ago we had Jinky One, which is the other part of this code on ring. So very masculine energy, though. If you look over here in the corner, uh, you'll see the bottom three lines are yang, and then it's the only the fifth line that is yin within the hexagram. Solid lines are yang, broken lines are yin. Um radiating prosperity and the it doesn't have the the words of being part of the wheel here for the jinky. Just has jink, the hexagram, the I Ching hexagram. It doesn't have that name, but it has fire for heaven. Anyways, um, I think this. Oh gosh, okay, distractions. I think uh, this jinky is interesting, and I took a lot of notes on this one. Uh, so lots of quotes to share with y'all. Um, compromise 
is this theme that you you're not living correctly as like your soul wants you to live or your inner self however you want to phrase it and so um Richard Rudd talks about how there's inner compromise and outer compromise if you're you know making an agreement to do something with someone then it has to change or you have to negotiate those terms that's outer compromise and it's not necessarily super detrimental to the health of your soul to say hey okay I'll you know I'll do what you want to do instead of what I want to do but when it comes to inner compromise that is you know suppressing the urges of your soul and like your inner impulse what your inner genius wants to do and suppressing it and not living as you came here to be uh who your soul wanted you to be through this lifetime and so we compromise the the preciousness that's within us and then that's much more detrimental to our health or spiritual health because we kind of shove that down and we just become a cog in the wheel of life and we participate in the homogenization. And I feel like homogenization is a big theme of this particular gene and I have mixed feelings. Like I've had weird thoughts about the concept of homogenization recently, probably part, probably in part of this, you know, the neutrinos coming from this gene key. But um yeah, compromise is this this significant piece where we're not listening to the whispers of ourselves. We're not listening to the magnetic monopole and what it's pulling us towards. We're not following the receptivity that the, the flow that we want to swim in through the stream of life. Weird analogies. I'll read some quotes. Compromise is the byproduct of living without a sense of personal freedom. It implies a lack of imagination and an inability to believe in the power of your own uniqueness and individuality. The 14th shadow is paired with the 8th shadow of mediocrity, and thus we humans live sandwiched between these two low-frequency victim states, unable to envision a way out of our uninspiring life situations. Even those of us who can see a way out of our dissatisfaction rarely have the courage to actually follow through with our dreams because of the deep-seated fear that we lack the power and capacity to complete the long journey towards those dreams. That's the first quote. And yeah, with, with this gene key being in the sacral center, it that's another big piece of like, there's been a lot of sacral energy and we're going to move towards a very significant sacral theme, just like we were like living in spleen land for a while uh, with, you know, Libra and Scorpio being very heavy in the spleen. Not heavy, but just all those gates being in the spleen. Um, we're getting a significant sprinkling of sacral energy now. We have 14, then 34, then 9, then 5, and then we're going to move on to other centers. But there's a lot of sacral things that are coming up now, which is our life force, the energy that we have to participate in life, um, our vitality. So it's a big theme. Um, true prosperity emerges from doing what we are, <clears throat> excuse me, true prosperity emerges from doing what we are here to do rather than being simply another cog in the collective machine. Prosperity is the byproduct of individual creative endeavor and requires a sustained sense of empowered direction. The moment you make a compromise, your wagon begins to leak energy. Um, yeah, so, you know, you think about this gate and this gene key uh, as the wagon, as sort of the vehicle, like the energy or the prosperity that comes within the vehicle. And you have the driver of the vehicle, which is in gate two. And if you have just two without 14 consistent, without that consistent life force, it's like a child sitting in a car with the engine turned off. Like it can't get anywhere. It's just there. It's just aware that it's within the vehicle. 
but what propels the vehicle to move, what fuels the vehicle is this particular gate. And so we have to nourish it and not, you know, do things that enslave us to the world around us. Um, those are my thoughts for the shadow. Sarah, would you like to add for the shadow? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's funny. Everything that Laura just said, everything you just said is so like, it's like our business model for, uh, for sacred support, which is the company that I work with. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny to like hear it in live and living color because for Steffi, this is actually her life's purpose. Hi, Steffi, if you're watching, um, it's actually her life's purpose. And so, you know, the life's purpose is how you do your life's work. And so it feels so interesting. I know you said that Ross said, and Richard said that Ross said that people who have this gate are like furniture and I think it's more like they don't have main character energy if we're talking about it like in like our like dumb little millennial slash Gen Z terms. Um, they're, they're very much like, you know, the sidekick and not the, the main character of their own lives. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been interesting to watch, like, because we talk about this all the time, like you can't ever, like, you can't ever like kill quote unquote the shot shadow shadow is always there the gift is always there too in a sense we're moving back and forth and we're becoming more aware of when the shadow comes up but that doesn't necessarily means that mean that we're going to ever completely transcend it um which is why we don't spend a lot of time talking about the city because in our very human lives the people who have reached the cidic states are like the buddhas the jesuses like those types of beings and so as householders as people who are really married to the human experience, most of the time we're going to be bouncing between um, the gift and the shadow. And, you know, again, it's, it's not to get like absolutist about when we're feeling that we're in the shadow and like, you know, we're feeling bad that we're in the shadow. It's more to say that, okay, be aware of that and like understand that like there's more to the story and not to like kind of sink heavily into it and get stuck there which is the only issue with the shadow. It's like, if you experience it sometimes, of course, naturally, like you're going to, but if you're stuck there forever, that's when you want to start to reevaluate um, kind of the way that you move through your own life. And I, and I think that, you know, this past year, I've just seen Steffi, you know, my friend um, move from, move, move between them, you know, and like in a very like sacral dance of understanding when she goes into one and like, you know, understanding when she goes into the other. And so watching it happen in live and, and living color has been really interesting for this particular one, um, for someone whose life purpose is the 14. Uh, and, and, you know, he says the genius is neither special nor rare. And he actually calls it that guiding spirit or daimon which we talk about a lot in ancient astrology there's actually like a lot of daimon in your chart there's a place where um you can find your daimon um in your chart and it's it's more or less like your physical body and what it wants to express because there's our personality consciousness and then there's our design and then there's our magnetic monopole pulling our personality consciousness and design into one coherent whole most of the time we're living from our personality consciousness, thinking it's in charge, thinking that it's driving the vehicle when in reality it's not, or, you know, it, it, it basically is creating chaos by attempting to. 
And, and so the reason that I say that is because more or less like the idea of genius really has nothing to do with intelligence on like a, on like a SAT or LSAT or any type of standardized testing level. It has everything to do with like the uniqueness that's available to you just inherently by like fully being who it is that you're here to be by performing your part in this kind of cosmic uh, web. So, um, you know, I've been learning about alchemy a lot lately because of James Hellman and Carl Jung and um, listening to some things. And they talk about the diamond as, um, you know, something that comes up in alchemy. And, you know, there's what they call the ego or the king as the the personality consciousness who thinks that it's it's in charge and then there is the um the daimon which is basically the way that it shows itself is that you have there's something within your life that you can't accept you can't control you can't repress and it keeps coming back over and over again and in a sense like the thing that you can't accept actually has something to do with what you're here to be um Whereas the personality mind is like, I don't want to be that. I don't want that to be the way that it is. I, I want it to be like this. It's like, well, if you learn to accept the thing, whatever the thing is, it's like, actually, that may be the path to your genius. And the thing could be, you know, you have a lisp or like, you know, the thing could be um, there's some kind of something uh, wrong with the way that you, you look or, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that could come up. It could be the way that you show up in relationships and like you see that the same relationships repeating it's like all of the information that comes to you from your diamond or from your genius is like constantly trying to show you something and tr constantly trying to be in this kind of metaphorical um dialogue with you where you you know you want things to be very cut and dry as like an ego because we want control because we want to feel secure ultimately like you're not going to feel secure um ever because it's it's kind of it we, we don't know anything you know you have to let go in a sense of control and let um and let, let yourself just like kind of float in order to be able to not be attached to things that you know that create the suffering in the first place but um I'm like rambling right now I'm starting to lose it's where, good where though <laughs> it's a good ramble <laughs> But in any case, the, the daimon is the spirit. It's kind of, uh, James Holman says that your psyche is your parent and things that show up in your life. Everyone's a part of your subtle body. We always say, but the things and the people that show up in your life that you can't control, that you can't accept, that you can't repress, um, are the things that are showing you like where your daimon is and where your genius is. And so in a sense, there's nothing wrong with, um, again, there's nothing wrong with the shadows, nothing wrong with the shadow of mediocrity, there's nothing wrong with the shadow of compromise. But um, I think that, you know, if we all want to be in access to our own individual genius, there's, there's, there's your first way of finding it um, in your life, if you want to start, start picking around to see what you can't accept and what you can't repress. Um, that that could be that could be the the way to go, especially if you have Pluto heavy in your chart. Um, and then just to talk about the repressive nature and the reactive nature of the fourteen. So, interestingly, the repressive nature is impotent. 
And it doesn't mean impotent in the sense of, you know, well, it, it could be mean imp, imp, impotent in the sense of sexuality, but it really means impotent in the sense that when you aren't really creatively connected to your own, um, your own genius, when you're actually not able to express yourself as, you know, in a satisfying, right, very generator terminology way, um, you can't be satisfied in any other aspect of your life. And so there's this, this sense of not being fulfilled. And so there's this sense of feeling impotent in, in your work in the world. And then that could bleed into other parts of your life. And then enslaved, which is why, like we were saying before, you know, this is like the ultimate generator gate because the shadow um, is enslavement. And so these people can be um, doing what everybody else wants them to do, except for what they want to do. Uh, and I think it's important to note here too, just that, you know, it's really easy to compromise because you usually get rewarded for it in social settings. But, um, you know, that's why like the work of, of becoming an individual, it's like lonely work and it takes a lot of time for you to kind of build up the the, the skin or the strength around you in order to do what you want to do, what your diamond wants to do without being affected by other people's opinions of it. Because most people are in compromise in their lives in some way, shape or form. And so it's more, um, it, it's easier for them to support that kind of behavior in others than to actually um, support you being more individual in a sense or being more um, in touch with your own fulfillment, your own satisfaction, all of those things. So that's all I have to say about the um, the shadow. I could talk about the gift, but just like the, the idea of homogenization, right? That's like what human design is. It's to learn your own unique blueprint so that you're not just a cog in the machine and you're not just compromising to just do what the masses want you to do but I don't know I feel like I have a radical thought I've been thinking about homogenization and like it makes sense if you think about your body as like this grand cosmic thing you know you have organs and those organs have functions and you don't want them to go mutating on you you want them to do what they're supposed to do you have your liver cells and you want them to maintain their liver cell function and to be homogenized in that grouping and to participate in their own little collective energy um you don't want your body to be doing crazy things so like i get why we're so hyped up on like homogenization as a collective why it's such a conditioning force because it ensures safety and in, like safety in numbers safety in people like the the certainty the control that you know something is going to do what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it so there's trust that you don't have to freak out and yet it's like within that role within that position of a liver <laughs> one cell like can be its own creative unique liver cell self um but yeah I've just been thinking about the the intensity of our homogenization homogenizing world and like the influences that we experience and they're valid like it, it totally makes sense why they're there and why it's there for us to participate in but and yet we're here to also break free from it so it's been this is my mind this week so like I, oh it makes sense now like knowing about this gene key and how it has these themes of homogenization like it makes sense why I've been having these thoughts this past week but anyways 
competence is just the ability to do things well, um, to, to be in that flow, to trust yourself, to be able to use your energy in a way that is correct. And that I don't want to say is effortless, but it, it doesn't grind up and create resistance in the wrong way. Um, there's more stuff within the chapter. So competence is the quality that accompanies a person who loves what they are doing. It is one of those gifts that cannot be taught because true competence hints at much more than simply doing things well. Competence carries within it efficiency, enthusiasm, flair, and flexibility, the four keys to material success. And so Richard Red also talks about these things um, to be flexible, to not be rigid, to be able to go with the flow. I feel like is a very significant piece. Same with, you know, efficiency. I feel like this key takes bits and pieces from other keys. Key 16 deals with enthusiasm. Um, and so it doesn't homogenize them. It emulsifies them together into this life force potential that we have uh, to be able to use our energy in a nice way, um, in a way in which we enjoy how we're using our energy. Competence in this sense is about performing a task with complete precision and elegance and alignment with natural and harmonious rhythms. Yeah, just being in the flow. Um, it is also interesting to note that a competent team cannot contain members who compromise. So like Richard Red talks about how this is a piece of group dynamics and uh, how it's very influential for, you know, both laws, I think, and um, pensions. But also interesting to note that a competent team cannot contain members who compromise all team members must be joined together in mutual enthusiasm for the same ideal. Um, I feel like this is important. Like just thinking, I mean, Sarah has Steffi who has this very strong energy, like looking back at group dynamics, like in school, when we had to work together as a team, it's like so fascinating to think about how everyone, you know, had their own vision for what was to be accomplished. And, you know, there's so much compromise that takes place that just naturally happens. Pentas are unconscious. Uh, they are trans-auric forms. Like it, just like you have your aura, a penta has its aura, and it, it is a force that takes over the group when it's three to five people together. Just mechanically, we operate differently. And it's not conscious. So we're not aware of it. We can't like choose the penta to work in a certain way. And so when we have these influences, in these dynamics, it just takes over. And, you know, I guess we do have control whether we're in the shadow. I mean, do we have control if we're in the shadow and or in the gift? There's no choice, but uh, we can be aware of how we're showing up and whether we are compromising with our own ideals, our own visions for the outcomes that we want um, and where we want to go within the group, or if it's just, you know, letting like just being a slave to the pen time just saying I don't care what's gonna happen I'll just be a physical party body as part of this group and like not do anything about it um the 14th gift also has another latent power the power of attraction competence creates a powerful magnetic field that not only draws in the right support but also has the ability to magnetize material wealth once you have attained the gift of frequency the tendency for consciousness is to keep expanding. I think this is really interesting, um, this quality of magnetism. If we talked about 46, some weeks back, you can go revisit that video if you want to, but 46 is about being in serendipity, like being in the right place at the right time. And in that, you know, living in the moment state, you'll get what you need because you're in the constant flow. 
you're just so in the present moment that serendipity has to happen. Coincidence just unfolds for you. But the story with that one was like the rain man who he didn't know when it was going to rain. He just went to the place where it was going to rain because he was so in tune with nature. And then gate 15, which like if you're looking at the G center, uh, these are the three, well, no, 14 is in the sacral, but 15 and 46 are also part of these pentachannels between the sacral and the G. And 15 is also about magnetism. It's the love of extremes, but it is like the most magnetic gate within the whole uh, design. And so here also 14 has this magnetism to it. So I think it's really interesting. I don't necessarily know what it means, but I think it's really interesting that there's this pooling energy that lives between the G center, which is, you know, our direction in life, our sense of purpose and our life force energy. Like they're working together in this way with magnetism to create the life that we're supposed to have. Um, those are all my notes for quotes for the gift. Sarah, I don't know if you want to contribute. Yeah, I mean, I think you did a really good job talking about um, talking about it. And, you know, something that he says, I like this quote for competence, and I've seen it in, again in Live and Living Color. Competence in this sense is about performing a task with complete precision and elegance in alignment with natural and harmonious rhythms. And, you know, I think that, you know, he also talks about how there's these two ways to cut wood, one in, uh, I believe in the West and in the East. And in the West, it, you can do it a lot faster if you're pushing the saw forward away from you. But in the East, they pull it towards you because even though it takes longer, the quality of the final product, whatever it is that you're sawing is just so much higher. And, and, quality has its own economic value, right? So even though we think that, oh, we need to do this fast because we want to get the most quantity of these things produced, it's like the quality has something um, of an economic value that multiple multiple products made of the same um, type will never have. And so um, there's this quality of like, you're, you're making something, but you're doing it or you're, you're competent in what you're creating, but you're not doing it in a way that's just like, you know, slopping the same food, like the same prison food on the same plate in the same way over and over again without any love or nurturing that's going into the, the product. Um, I don't that's know. Sorry, I'm going to piggyback. Uh, he says wealth begets wealth. Like once you are in that magnetic state of attraction, you pull wealth towards you and then you just can sprinkle it on others. But another part of that is love begets love. So the more loving you are in everything that you do, it's contagious. Richard talks about how this is like one of the most contagious, forgot the other ones, but like some gene keys are more contagious than others. And this one is contagious that when you're in this energy, which makes sense if it's a sacral energy, sacral's have their own generators, have their own contagious energy of like their joy when they're in their flow. It's like hard to, you know, be grumpy around them because um, they're, their aura is so enveloping. Um, but love begets love. So the more loving you are with the world, with what you're doing, it creates that ripple effect that affects everyone around you and creates further love. So it was a nice thing. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. It's just interesting too, because I just find that like the competence and capacity piece goes so closely together, even though capacity is part of the Penta channel. And it, it's interesting because he says, you know, these people with a 14 
have an enormous capacity to work at something if they really love what they're involved in and those with whom they are working. In this respect, they are natural teachers of others since they imbue people with a sense of their own independence and confidence. Um, one other thing he says is that if you have the 14th gift, you release a certain aroma through your DNA that soon makes you the backbone and mainstay of any family or team. And so, you know, it's, again, like people with 14 have just an incredible capacity for work and it's, it, they have an incredible capacity for work, whether or not they're doing something that's satisfying to them too, by the way. So like, they can be just like the, the people who are at the um, factories, just like working, you know, 16, 17, 18, 20 hour days, just like going, 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 going. Um, but when they're doing something that they love, when they're in that gift, like it's like they can hold up the energy of an entire um, business. So it, it, it feels like anyone who has the 14 should really be considering, you know, and, and he even talks about moms and like how the, the mothers who have this gift hold up the entire spiritual, emotional, psychological energy of their families. So it's not just to say that you have to like work, but in a sense, it's like, where are you putting your life force energy and how satisfying is it for you is very important with someone who has the 14. And specifically, if you have, you know, your sacral, so you, you're a generator. Um, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about the city, but I do have one thing I wanted to say about it. Um, and it actually, it actually it actually relates to what you were talking about before with homogenization. And I think that like we could get, we could get really like in the weeds about like semantics and like what words mean and like how we use them. And I'm super guilty of being the type of person who just like uses words without being very specific. And I understand that that at times could be confusing to people because there's a lot of different ways that you can take them. So I'm kind of always just like resting my laurels on the fact that if what I'm saying is correct, coming from a place that it needs to come from, the people who are going to hear what I say understand it inherently and don't get too caught in the details. Um, but on Laura's point about homogenization, he says in the city um, that each individual um, is simply another set of bioenergetic instructions in the greater body. In this sense, individual individuality is actually the same thing as interference. And so that's where, you know, when Laura says it's good to be homogenized, um, in a sense, like for the, the whole, for the collective, there is a quality of that being true. Because if you are individual, but it's coming from your not self, that's different than you being an individuated person, which means that you're connected to the rhythm of your own set of bioenergetic instructions that are part of the greater whole. And so just to like um, speak to the fact that it's not individuality at all costs, right? My Aquarius moon can sometimes make it seem that way. Like, let's just fuck the system, anarchy, yada, yada, excuse my French. Um, but uh, but it, it's more like we we understand what we are so we can surrender to it, not so that we can get what we want as our egos are want to do. So I just wanted to um, mention that because, you know, I did I, I was thinking about what you said about homogenization. And I think it's important for everyone to know, because in the spiritual communities, we can get so bent out of shape about like 
following your bliss and like living your truth. And it's like, okay, but like if your ego takes hold of that information and like it, it's talking to you or right, it's telling you what it thinks that that means, it could mean that you're just like totally blowing up your life and everyone's life that's surrounding you because you're so just like like ruggedly and like without any um care for the environment that you're in individual and that's not actually what um individuation even is so um individuation not individuality for at all costs i think is 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 where i'll leave it but uh, um i'll let you you know either piggyback or say what you wanted to say that was basically it <laughs> the, the quotes i think were the same about that quality of the city yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just fascinating how like I've been having these thoughts all week or upcoming to this week, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden I'm reading it in the book and I'm like, yes, exactly. Those are my thoughts. So just no, goes to show yeah. how impacted we are by the neutrinos. Um, no, but- for real. And Steffi actually even made um, a post about, about this. But yeah, we do yes. have to hop into the astrology in order to get it well- all out we'll get it through it quickly because we have to cut this episode short um hold on to your screen i'm always afraid i'm gonna accidentally press the wrong button and end the call instead of clicking on the chart of the moment uh or trying your screen so whoopsie daisies but i got it right okay um this upcoming week we have a new moon i think it's next wednesday is the next wednesday no it's not and it's it's in less days it's in like two or three days what day is it it's like the 23rd for the 20th yeah something like that you have a new moon coming in Sagittarius I think it's at like two or three degrees Sagittarius yeah, Sorry, right. I'm prepared. <laughs> but uh like we said earlier super intense Mars Neptune square I made this <laughs> slideshow no don't do that I just want to share it no I don't I want to slideshow it there we go um dates look at all these dates these dates are here for you everyone um yesterday the 19th we had a square between retrograde mars and retrograde neptune at 22 degrees which were engaged 12 and 36 the first square happened uh on october 12th when mars was direct neptune was retrograde and the square will finish on march 12th with both direct at 25 degrees and again 1236 1236 um the this is not yet I mean Neptune's going direct fairly soon on December 3rd but that's I guess in more than a week's time um and Mars will oppose the sun and these gates I think are super interesting as a part of this mix because 35 and 36 are part of the same channel so the sun and Neptune will be in transit in um in a in the channel together uh, creating emotional definition and manifesting definition from the ESP to the throat uh, as part of this like intense energy that we have but I'll stop sharing this and go back to the astrology um, just wanted to share that with y'all so you can write down dates if you need to know them but well, yeah, yeah we, can, we can pull that chart back up next time too because like we're in the soup of Mars retrograde squaring Neptune for you know for the indefinite like future until March so um it's not like whatever is coming up now is probably not clear like we're probably going to need to wait until march actually to start to understand what kind of alchemy was happening with this mars and neptune and i was like asking laura i'm like is everybody like what's everybody doing like is everybody okay because natally i have 
this in my chart, not in the same, actually what I have in my um, human design chart is I have a cross of Eden. And so these are two points that are in the cross of Eden, the uh, 36 and the um, 12. So yeah, I, I feel like it's par for the course for me, but Laura, do you want to share any of your experiences with yeah, the answer is we're not okay. <laughs> we are not okay. <laughs> For me as an Aries rising, Mars, which is my chart ruler, is in my third house, and it's very much showing up as communication. So Neptune, yeah, it's going to distort and disillusion everything, create a bunch of chaos or like just distortion. Like things are not clear. And Mars retrograde, they're both retrograde, so they're physically closer to us right now. We're feeling their gravity. We're feeling the neutrinos coming from them because it's kind of getting to us faster than it otherwise would at a different part of this solar system um but yeah into like for me personal experience like all of a sudden my ability to communicate out the window I don't understand English anymore like someone says something and it's like it's German and I'm trying to figure out the word like are these words in the right order because German has different word order like I'm trying to translate the meanings of words into meanings like it's words no longer have their inherent meaning that my brain can comprehend and so I'm just like talking to Sarah I'm like I don't I don't understand this sentence I don't understand this sentence like use more words please I need you to be as direct and as clear and cohesive as possible and then I'm communicating things and I'm trying to make sure that I'm communicating them well and like people aren't responding to what I'm saying in a way that I think I'm expecting based on like what I'm saying like so people aren't hearing me and I'm just like am I not being clear enough like is the issue with me is the issue with them like what is going on there is just like distortion in Gemini right now with Mars and yeah and so Sarah's like nope it's the square I'm like oh that makes a lot of sense because nothing makes sense anymore and like not only that today it's just ideas like Gemini is not only communication but it's you know information information so I came across information today that it just probed like a hole into my brain and like no all my previous beliefs are leaking out and like I don't know what's up and what's down anymore I'm very confused. I like don't want to give it too much energy because I don't want to skew my own grounding in my own beliefs. Like external opinions are coming at me and I feel very susceptible to them, to the opinions of others. I'm very naive. So it's a lot. Like I'm going through a hot little sauna right now with just being fried. Or like I told someone, like, I feel like my brain's in a meat grinder. Like nothing makes sense. Oh my God. So, it's it's fun. <laughs> fun to watch, not fun to experience. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I'm like, oh, this is, I'm like, everybody's dealing with what I deal with all the time because I actually don't, like, I get the quality of not ever having any firm ground to stand on when it comes to the, like, inherent truth of things and, like, always waiting for some information to come to the light that, like, basically is like, oh, you have to now change your entire worldview and like that's kind of like who I am as a person now it's like okay everything is you know it's up for grabs kind of um and I think that this Mars square Neptune one of my favorite astrologers Adam Ellenbaugh says that it has to do with science too because science is like this thing that's constantly changing and like Mars and Gemini is very much like it wants details it wants details to be correct and Neptune's like yeah but like we're evolving constantly and there's nothing to hold on to and so it's like the scientist is kind of close to the astrologer because they have this in, innate wonder for everything. 
um, if they're not too dogmatic about science, right? And so they're constantly asking questions, questions, questions. It's like, there are no answers, only more questions in a sense with Mars square Neptune. Um, and so, you know, that is, you know, that is the story of my life. Um, and I think, you know, just important to note that, yes, we have the, um, we have Jupiter going direct as well in just a day or two. And with that, with that we're going to have the new moon, we're going to have the new moon in Sagittarius in a couple of days. And so we have a direct Jupiter in Pisces, we have the new moon in Sagittarius, and all these things are things that we're going to touch on when we talk about um, the next key, which is the next gate, which is 34. 34. And so while that's going to be, that's going to be where it is, 34 is going to be where the new moon is. Um, so we'll save the info about the new moon. Potentially we record closer to the new moon for the next, for once the sun goes into 34 and we can really kind of look at it from the human design perspective as well. Oh, and one other fun thing, right? Mercury conjunct Venus right now. Yeah. yeah. In Sagittarius, so opposing Mars, but loosely, but yeah, loosely <laughs> fuel to the fire. <laughs> yes, yeah, whole sign opposition. So there's definitely it's uh it's definitely like there's a there's definitely like a saucy energy here <laughs> to be sure. But anyway, um, I know we have to wrap up. I I have to wrap up at least, and so and as the sun is setting on me, it's probably a good time to do so. Um. Again, thank you to all the people that stick around for the entirety of our show. You mean a lot to us. We're very grateful for you. We have, I think, around 100, 104 um, subscribers right now. We love all of you guys. We want to connect with you in any way that we can. Uh, if you're someone who's watched our show but hasn't yet subscribed, um, I would like to encourage you to do so if it's correct, if we're on your fractal, because we talk about the stuff that's happening right right here and right now. And so if you want to see what's happening right here and right now in the next right here and right now next week, then it's better to just be able to, to access us um, in YouTube um, by subscribing. Uh, so other than that, uh, Laura, do you want to say anything? I don't think so. My brain's tired. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <not. your> brain. <laughs> You're I'm done. done. Yeah, this is all we got. Okay, well, um, again, thank you. And we will catch you guys around the new moon. Yeah, bye everyone. Thanks for watching. Bye. Thank you.